What is up, everybody? This is Brayden from Flint Mastering, and I am the host and content curator of the Mixing Music Podcast exclusive episodes. And today we have for you an exclusive archive, which means you're going to hear an exclusive episode that DK and I recorded almost a year ago. You're going to have the chance to hear what our exclusive episodes are all about and how much fun and learning goes on between me and DK as we discuss technical tips and important techniques in relation to producing mixing and mastering. If you enjoy this episode and you'd like to be a part of the exclusive content we provide twice a week, you can do so by heading over to mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash exclusive. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. We appreciate you. And we couldn't do this podcast without you. I hope you enjoy this episode of the exclusive archives. And with that, happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. Hello, our friends, and welcome back to this exclusive subscriber-only episode of the Mixing Music Podcast. Air horns. I'm your host for today, Brayden from Flint Mastering, and joining me is the illustrious, as I said a few times ago, the beautiful, the sneakerhead, the the awesome dad, the wonderful husband, daddy, DK. What's up, DK? What up, what up? Who knows? Maybe I could be like an abusive father oh my uh, gosh. Who's, who's, uh, who's to tell you never know no I'm just teasing <laughs> I try to be a wonderful dad <laughs> thanks for all the shout out let's get into this today's episode we, I'm really excited for these clips that you've been making recently so Cool. Let's do it. So today we're going to listen to one from legendary engineer Dave Pensato. As I've said many times, we're going to listen to him all the time because he's super willing to share his knowledge and help us out. So uh, today Dave is going to tell us about the your mix versus the demo mix. And without further ado, Dave Pensato, roll the tape. Every top mixer on the planet, um, and most of them, um, either by their work or, or in person, um, They've all had one or two mixes rejected in favor of the rough mix. Uh, and that rough mix probably took the artist or the producer maybe 30 minutes to an hour to do, and you spent 12 hours on your mix and it got rejected in favor of the rough mix. It's happened to everybody. And I think, I think rather than get upset, let's ask ourselves, what was it about the rough that was created by a person with probably less skills than me makes it better. And when you answer that question, then, you'll, then you're really becoming a mix engineer because that's the essence of what we do. In other words, we, we sometimes have a tendency to, to focus on the technical things and nobody cares about that. They care about the, the energy and the vibe and the emotion. And that mix was done without thinking too much about the technical. It was just done by trying to get something done quickly and focusing on, on, on proportions in the mix, you know, have, having all the tracks you know, work together. So see what you can learn from that. Awesome. So in that clip, we heard Dave talk about how every top mixer at one point or another has had their mix rejected in favor of the demo mix. Wah, wah, wah. DK, has this ever happened to you? How do you deal with it? And what's the best way to avoid a scenario like this? Okay. Has it ever happened to me? Yes, absolutely. And that's the mark of a true vet. <laughs> Um, it doesn't happen to me as much anymore, but 
it still does happen from occasion. In fact, because it happens less now, when it does happen, it probably hurts more now. Um, how do I deal with it is, is a very important question. And I've talked about this previously on one of the free episodes of the podcast. But one of the ways that we need to change our thinking is that we know exactly what we're doing and there's nothing to learn from this experience. Every single time this happens, we need to drop our pride and figure out what did we do wrong? What is there to learn? Now, there have been times where people use that as an excuse because they actually didn't want to pay for the second half of the mix, you know, or whatever it was. And people have been trying to get out of actually committing to this mix thing. And it has nothing to do with the sound of the mix, which is a totally different story. But when this does happen, um, don't, Take it personally, first off. You never, ever should take it personally. Take it as a learning opportunity. The artist is always right. And I find way too many engineers get prideful about it, take it personally, and start shit-talking the artist and that they don't know what sounds good and they don't know what's technically correct and whatnot. But sometimes technically correct is not what's best serves the song. Um, how to avoid it is is something that, exactly what Dave Pensado said, like, trying to recognize how to reference rough mixes better. Leslie always talked about this, is that whenever he gets rough mix, and he specifically says, if the hi-hats are really, really loud, that's probably what made the rough mix special, what they want a little bit of that element to, to be replicated in the final mix. That was the vibe for them. That was the main point for them. So he's often gonna time, oftentimes going to leave the hi-hats really loud in the final mix as well, relatively loud within ex acceptable uh, means, right? Within the acceptable boundaries, um, which is really, really interesting. One, I do think this is a form of cognitive bias here. We've I've had a whole episode about the Dunning-Kruger effect and cognitive bias, but... I feel that people don't give each other enough credit, meaning that a producer and an engineer, yes, they're not mixers, but they've probably been, been doing their job for a while as well. And who's to say that them putting the hi-hats really loud, uh, painfully loud, and honestly not serving the song distractingly loud uh, may have been totally done on purpose? Who's to say that that... And we automatically assume and create false stories that... They didn't know what the heck that they were doing. That's probably not true. We need to give each other more credit. And if it was done on purpose, that's going to be one of the things that they're looking for in the final mix. Um, it's very, very important that we are humble. We don't think take things purposefully, uh, per personally, and try to figure out. And lastly, try to figure out and give credit to those that were working on the song before us. I think people don't do that enough. Um, that's a low IQ move is to suspect that nobody else knows how to mix other than yourself. That's a very low IQ move and you got to learn other people do things on purpose. I think that's how you avoid it and you get better at understanding things and understanding the client and communicating. You got to communicate with clients as well. And I could go on and on about just communicating with clients and how to set up expectations, but yeah. Which I'm sure we will eventually do an episode on. We can get into the technical nitty-gritty of communicating with clients <laughs> but uh Absolutely. yeah i also have had um well <clears throat> only one master ever rejected <clears throat> um <laughs> that <was> okay that, <laughs> i don't know if that actually says that you're good or if you don't have enough experience let's be no, honest. I, <laughs> <laughs> i'm teasing i'm teasing no the i i've experienced this as well and um it was rejected by uh some first year belmont students actually they gave me a reference 
And so I kind of matched the reference in volume. And then one of them was like, it's too loud. It's too compressed. And I was like, well, you gave me a reference that was really loud and really compressed. So I tried to match it. <laughs> but uh, I, I totally agree with everything that DK said. Um, and I mean, just matching the vibe of the rough mix, uh, or even in my case for mastering, you know, not especially, I guess, especially for mastering, matching the vibe of the mix and not changing things too drastically, especially because when you're dealing with the two track, you know, small changes, you can really go hard on a song um, and completely change how it sounds. So uh, yeah. And again, to DK's point, like give everyone credit in the process, you know, it's not because someone's an idiot. It's not because they don't know what they're doing. It may have been an intentional choice. So keep that in mind when mixing and then just uh, obviously do your best to make enhancements while keeping the original feel and vibe of the track. So yes, DK. Also, one last point that I want to make, and I think this is actually secretly the most important point that Dave made during his little, his little clip. Um, technical is always less important than serving the song or the emotional aspect of the song. Whenever I'm teaching interns or I'm, I'm helping students or whatever, one of the most important questions that I bring up every single time when we're critiquing a mix or critiquing their own mix or going over mixes or whatever um, is how, what did that move of compression or turning up or down the drums or whatever, how did that change the emotion of the song? How did that change the feel of the song? Uh, this is very important to think about, and I feel like, especially in the beginning stages, um, I I asked Leslie on his episode that he did with us on the podcast, what is an advanced level advice? Not beginner, not intermediate, but for like high level mix engineers that know what they're doing, what is some advanced level advice? And And almost every mixer that I've ever asked that to says the same thing, which is remember to serve the song you got to be musical. Think emotionally. It's less and less. Once you learn all the technical stuff, it's like it's like when you're learning a piano, like learning an instrument. You got to learn the scales. You got to learn chords and harmonies and different things. But after you learn those things, once you learn how to play Pro Tools like a boss and you know all the technical tools, then it's about playing the song musically. Um, that's exactly what it is, and that's the advanced level. Uh, it's it's kind of silly to me how much people think that their mixing is better, but it's not because it's not as musical or it doesn't serve the song as much. So you got to serve the song. You got to think emotionally. Ask yourself, how did this change this, the move, the compression that I'm adding right now? How is this making the song feel different emotionally? And I think this should lead to the challenge that we put out for today um, for every of our listeners um, is something along the lines of when you when you mix a song and you compare against the rough or you compare against other reference tracks or whatever you're doing, or, or you do a, maybe not one instance of compression is not going to change a song emotional, as emotionally as you'd like to, you know, but um, after a certain amount of moves or when you take a break, listen to before and after, whatever, however you reference your songs. Um, listen to it and figure out what's different emotionally. Is it a lot more driving and aggressive? Is it a lot more easy listening and relaxed? It's, it's surprising to me how much even 2 dB change of the drum placement, whether you turn the drums down 2 dBs or turn them up, can change the song sometimes pretty dramatically. Just 2 dBs. That's barely audible. But that might be the threshold into making it feel very aggressive and, and forward to like a little bit more relaxed. Uh, so continue to think about those things. Serve the song and mix emotionally, mix what's best emotionally for the song than to mix what's best technically for the song. Technicality will never, ever win. 
um, in this in, in in advanced level mixing, and partially, prior probably the reason why your your mixes are getting um, outvoted by the rough. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And the last thing I will say is. Uh, I was watching some videos on YouTube last night and I came across a mixing mastering engineer that I knew who he was before, but watching some of his videos, he actually really goes for the feel and emotion of the song is Luca Predolesi. He does a lot of like EDM stuff, but a lot of what he does is like all about feel and vibe and emotion in the track. So check him out. That's another great resource for learning how to mix emotionally and, uh, yeah. On that note, we'll go ahead and wrap up the episode. As always, time for the housekeeping. Join Mixing Music Discord if you haven't. Make sure you go to youtube.com forward slash DK Mixes and subscribe for more exclusive content coming in the future. You can watch DK's live streams uh, Fridays, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Twitch. Those are the best. They're awesome. Mixed Feedback Friday. And um, yeah, we've got merch now, which is, I believe, I hope I've been saying this right, mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash shop. Is that correct? That's right. Okay, sick. On the solo episodes I did, I plugged it, and I wasn't sure if I gave the right link or not. But yeah. uh, and You can always just test it. You know that, right? You could go to Mixing Music Podcast forward slash shop and figure out if it works. That's true. <laughs> but ain't instead, nobody, you're just guessing. Like, let's, yeah. let's continue to live life like that. Just <laughs> ain't, ain't nobody got time for that when I'm recording. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, thank you yeah. so much for subscribing yeah. if you're subscribed um really you are the the butter to my bread and the the lifeblood to my organs and <laughs> yeah that was the last thing i was gonna say thank you so much i, I appreciate for, it i forgot to say at the beginning of the episode but thank you thank you thank you we appreciate you we love you and as always we couldn't do this without you so without further ado we'll end this episode dk sign happy us mixing- off oh <laughs> Happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy.